You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. If this is your first time listening, Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King with an occasional focus on his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes, and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes. We also discuss non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about all things that serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com, follow us on every level of social media at TowerJunkiesPod, and if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer where if you pledge a minimum of one dollar per month you get access to exclusive content recorded specifically for patreon supporters so yeah i am one of your hosts uh matt hurt (laughs) and with me today as usual is tiny how's it going tiny it's good man good good you excited about this episode i am sweet i am too i am caveat i'm too no um i don't know so today on the podcast we're going to be covering uh season two episodes nine and ten of hulu's castle rock based on the series based on the stories of stephen king um yeah but before we do that do we have any news or check-ins tiny um yeah, check-ins. I, I finished the stand. I don't know if I mentioned that last time. Nice, you did not. Okay, yeah. So I finished the stand. Sweet. So we'll be talking about that soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I started reading a non-King book. Okay. It's a non-fiction libertarian book. Oh, God. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's very fucking dry so far. Really? I'm really not that into it. What's um, it called? Uh, it's called um, Defending the Undefendable. Okay. And because uh, a lot of people like just kind of laugh at libertarians, they're like, "Dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, like, yeah. get ridding, getting rid of the government? What are you talking about?" And um, <laughs> and so it's it's written by Walter Block, who okay. is a professor of economics. I want to say mm-hmm. he's part of the Mises Institute. I don't know. Google it. It's crazy. Um, okay. But yeah, it's just it's basically about like defending very uh, uh, unpopular libertarian ideas, okay. like true freedom of speech. Gotcha. Like libel and slander should be legal. Oh, yeah. Okay. Stuff like that. I'm not following it that great so far. Sure. It's very. I'm just like. I'm like. Really? That should be illegal. I don't. <laughs> I feel like those things are illegal for a good reason. Right. I don't know. It's. Uh, yeah. Ooh. It's. It's. It's interesting. Nice. Yeah. That uh, sounds just fascinating. Sure. Um. Yeah. <laughs> for my check-ins, I have been listening to The Outsider. I have not started book three of The Stand yet. I will soon, and we'll review it, and we'll bank it, and we'll post it later. But I promise I will get that done soon, Tiny. Okay. So for my check-ins, I actually got a very nice um, birthday present from someone special in my life. Uh, I received a candle that was a uh, misery candle, which sounds kind of uh kind of funny <laughs> but it is a candle that is uh the <laughs> the scent uh name is birthday cake and isolation <laughs> and uh it is a okay it says um the smell of fear <laughs> number one fan birthday cake and isolation uh natural wax candle um and it has like a a uh 
like a, a cartoon version of Annie Wilkes without without a face in uh, the bed in the background. So it's very nice, and I was I was very very happy about that. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So it's very cool. I have not burned it yet. Um, I have not burnt the candle yet because with my other show anthology i've been burning that candle at both ends for real bro yeah which is my plug for anthology go check out anthology <laughs> anthologypod.com where i'm reviewing the twilight zone as a first-time viewer and uh currently doing reviews of the new series uh season two of the twilight zone on cbs all access which tiny is going to be guest on mm-hmm. uh, for for seven days in may yep reviewing the movie seven days in may right. he's not gonna be a guest seven days in may anyway um <laughs> so that's my check-in uh for this episode and i do have one piece of news okay um so mike flanagan uh director of dr sleep and gerald's game and obviously the haunting uh, uh on hill uh, haunting of hill house jesus he a homie he a homie um yeah, that yeah i don't know okay <laughs> um, uh yeah so obviously it's been reported that he's working on adapting revival which we'll be reviewing soon the the book mm-hmm. um and he was recently a guest on the king cast which is a show that we've talked about previously on the show big fan of it i definitely recommend checking it out um and he gave kind of an update on it so here's a quote that he said on the king cast he said um, about Revival, he said, What I love about it is it's a return to cosmic horror, which I think is so fun. It is relentlessly dark and cynical, and I'm enjoying the hell out of it, uh, out of that. This is just bleak and mean, and I like it for that. I haven't <laughs> gotten to, uh, I haven't gotten to end a movie that way since Absentia. Maybe. Maybe Ouija. Uh, this one was a really fun piece of material for me because I get to be like, Oh, you want a dark ending? Okay, cool. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah so i'm super excited to see what he does with that because man that's gonna be that's gonna be a trip totes yeah yeah um so yeah that's all the news and check-ins we have it's kind of brief but you know um let's just go into our reviews then okay um of castle rock and of course tiny we can't do that oh boy without playing our theme music for this review series mm-hmm. on the podcast and sadly tiny this will be presumably the last time that we play this theme music because Castle Rock is done. Yeah, sadly. Yes, yes. That's, Unless that's the right word. Oh, God. We do a series on reviewing the books that take place in Castle Rock and then we can play the song again. Shit. Okay, so here we go. For not the last time, <laughs> our theme music for our Castle Rock review series. <laughs> Castle Rock. Castle Rock is in the house tonight. Everybody just have a king. Yeah. And we gon' make you lose your mind. Woo. Everybody just have a king. Clap. Castle Rock is in the house tonight. Oh. Everybody just have a king. Clap. Like a finish. Hey. And we gon' make you lose your mind. Yeah. We just wanna see ya. Watch. That. Oh my god. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> oh god. Okay. So 
Uh, okay, so Castle Rock, of course, is based on the stories of Stephen King. The series intertwines characters and themes from the fictional town of Castle Rock. Season 2 is comprised of 10 episodes that aired from October 23rd to December 11th, 2019 on Hulu. The season starred Lizzie Kaplan as Annie Wilkes, Tim Robbins as Pop Merrill, Paul Sparks as Ace Merrill, as well as Elsie Fisher, Barkad Abdi, and Yusra Warsama. And this time on the show, we're going to be reviewing the last two episodes of the season, Caveat Emptor and Clean. So we're going to get us kicked off. We're going to contain our spoilers to the specific episodes we're talking about, so we won't spoil the finale with our review of Caveat Emptor. And vice versa? Not really. That doesn't apply. <laughs> um, so, caveat emptor. Uh, original air date was December 4th, 2019. The plot, according to Hulu, uh, is Ace and his army... Con- or, I think this is from IMDb. I don't know. Um, Ace and his army continue their search for their angel as Castle Rock falls to darkness. Annie and the others desperately try to survive and understand the the nature of how to save themselves and their town. Writer for this episode was Scott Brown, and director was Greg Yatani's Tiny. How did you feel, in broad terms, about Caveat Tour? And let's go into spoilers. We're going to spoil this episode. Nice. So spoilers on Caveat Tour, Tiny, your thoughts. Uh, I was a fan. I dug it. Yes. Um, I, I like how... Um, Two things about the episode. First is that it feels like it feels like half like a halfway action episode. Yeah, because there's so much like like it's like a us versus them, like they're holed up in a fort kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's really got a cool feel to it. I, I appreciated that a lot. Um, and then I really love how this was a big showcase for Pop Merrill. Yes, and like I feel like the, the writers were like, "Hey, you guys know we have like we have like." Like like Tim Robbins, right? You know, we, you know we have Tim Robbins is playing this character, right? We should probably kind of amp this up a little bit. Like the guy's an Oscar. Like we should probably yeah. Let's let's get on it here. And they really <laughs> did that with this episode. Um, mm-hmm. and it was just a huge episode for the character. I loved Tim Robbins in it. Me too. Uh, and just the direction they took his character. That was my favorite part of this episode. Yeah. Um, I loved it. And to your point about it being kind of a halfway action episode, like this. This really spoke to me because, like, it's Castle Rock, and it's a real, like, it's really well done. Characters are great. The dialogue is phenomenal and everything. But it feels like a Castle Rock version of those 24 bottle episodes Hmm. where Jack Bauer is, like, holed up with, like, some just random person that has, like, a one guest shot episode. Yeah. um, Role where, like, the bad guys are about to, about to, like, swarm the place. Mm -hmm. It just had that feeling, but I loved it for that. Right. Um, Also, if you don't mind, do you mind if I go into my... Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Um... I was so deliriously happy because, first of all, I was very glad that Pop was back in the picture because it had been like an episode or two since we'd seen him. Mm-hmm. And what I loved even more is that I got what I wanted, <laughs> a cotet formed. Yes. <laughs> and like when, when Chan, like when he goes to the hospital and then he gets um, Nadia and then they come out and just randomly, like Chance rolls up on her motorcycle. <laughs> right. I'm like... Oh my, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> yeah. The Stephen King thing to end all Stephen King things is <laughs> happening in Castle Rock. Finally. <laughs> um, I was just so, I was so just taken with that. Yeah. And then when they get to the um, Emporium Glorium, 
and they start setting up like the bombs and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm j- I was just so invested in it. I was very into it. Um, oh, before we get into the whole hold up thing about it, mm-hmm. um, Abdi saving them in the shootout in the yeah. street. <laughs> so badass. Totally. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Um, yeah. So the content forms. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about the dramatic uh, parts of it? And let me expand on that by throwing like seven more questions at you. <laughs> um, no, the, the dramatic aspect of it, uh, specifically the pseudo negotiation scenes between pop and ACE. Yes. How, like that was the standout of the episode for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, as far as yeah, the, the dramatic standoff stuff. Yeah. That was, top notch in my mm-hmm. book very good very well done but i think one of the to discuss the drama in the episode i think one of the most dramatic moments and one of the most pivotal moments is actually when i think pop tries to basically talk to uh nadia and kind yes. of have his moment of redemption in a way mm-hmm. and she basically just like cuts him off i she's like that yeah she was just like nope you don't get your redemption yep. or you don't get whatever i was just like god that's like harsh and like his his reaction to it like that scene they kind of she tells him that and then she kind of walks off Mm -hmm. and the camera just kind of sits on pop for a very for like 10 seconds and he you can just see like the absolute destruction on his face yeah and like because that's that's what he really cared about absolutely and it was very heartbreaking Mm -hmm. but i kind of I kind of agreed with... I could understand Nadia's point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I can understand oh, yeah. why she wouldn't want to give him that catharsis yeah. and participate in that because he really hadn't earned it at that point. I totally agree. Even, like, even though he was clearly on a path of, right. this is the last thing I'm going to do. Yeah. You know? I, yeah, I totally agree. And I just love the dramatic uh, direction that that takes that dynamic because... I mean, it tracks. It makes sense. Like, of course. I mean, it's been a handful of days probably since, uh, like, this revelation has come to her attention and everything. Like, it's not something that's going to be easily fixed by, like you said, like, he's he's on his way out, so he's trying to make amends. Like, he, she's not ready for that. That's still raw. Right. Um, I love that. In the scene where Ace is talking to him um, through the radio and talking about how he uh, he never had kids of his own but he still managed to fuck up four four people's lives, um, meaning Chris, Ace, and uh, Abdi, and Nadia. Mm-hmm. And, like, just the pain. Like, that's why Tim Robbins was in the show. Yeah. He is so good. And, like, the tears and just the pain, the way that he uses that energy later in that scene with Nadia and also the scene with Abdi. Um, like, obviously, this this episode was all about pop trying to make amends or or what have you and uh like i knew like okay he's on his way out of the show and everything this is going to be the big thing and the way that he goes out at the end of the episode um i loved that yeah i i was so like peek behind the curtain tiny you had messaged me and said that you were going to be a little late because you ordered pizza and it was taking too long Mm -hmm. and uh and uh i had said um (laughs) Because you had you had ordered uh, pizza, Pizza Hut, and mm-hmm. I said, um, unlike the unlike the um, suicide vest that Pop Merrill wore in Episode Nine of <laughs> Castle Rock, you your experience with Pizza Hut really blows. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I, I just I love that, and the coldness that Ace has when he just shoots him in the head was just yeah really effective. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I also really liked the. I, f- I feel like Pop Merrill had been so. Um, this was like really his coming out party, or like his mm. his like. I don't know how to explain it. Like he he really was he really shined in this episode mm-hmm. as like a leader. Yes, because like one of, I think some of the coolest stuff that he does is he really like when the uh, uh, Annie Jamal and the other random lady. I think her name was Valerie. Maybe? Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. The red um, shirt of the episode. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Per- that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, uh, when they kind of break, kind of break in, quote unquote, mm-hmm. to the Glorium Emporium, and uh, uh, the everyone else is suspect of them, and they're sort of interviewing them. Yeah, when he totally sees through Jamal, mm-hmm. uh, quote unquote Jamal, right? right? Fake Jamal. That was so cool, and yeah. just the way he picked that apart, um, and then the. The the dialogue between him and Ace over the radio, mm-hmm. which you mentioned a minute ago, I loved that as well. I thought it was yeah. just really good, really tight writing, great acting on both their parts. Mm-hmm. But what I loved about it is you can see, I feel like you can see the gears turning in his head the whole time. Like yeah. he's like, I figured out, he, he you can tell early on he figured out how to play this whole situation mm-hmm. to a T. Yeah. And, and like basically save the town, get everything he needs. And, you know, you're sitting there watching it and you're like, oh, the vest didn't blow up and all that stuff. And it's like, he planned this whole thing out. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was so, it was such cool, like, like action movie caper kind of stuff that like, it it wasn't, obviously it wasn't out of place in this series, but it's not necessarily something you would think of from like a horror style Stephen King uh, kind of series. And it was, it worked really well. Yeah. Oh, I totally like. I have so much love for this episode. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of nit nitpicks that I'll I'll make later, but um, I just I loved the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Um, to your point about the vest, like, was that was it? I wouldn't say intentional, but like, is that like it, it not blowing up? Was that something that he always planned on? Or yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, he took the battery out of the remote first of all. Oh, yeah. I must have missed that. Yeah, but he obviously he wanted. Uh, Ace slash Augustin to think he was going to blow himself up so that he would shoot him in the head. Yeah. Because that way he could be brought back. That's right. And he wanted to come back and that he shot himself up with the drug so that Mm -hmm. he wouldn't be fully taken over. Yeah. Like he planned it all out. I will talk about that in the next episode. It was like the sting. Yeah. Yeah. Or like... Um heat i don't know like 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 right. a caper style heist kind of thing i did not put that together that that was that intentional yeah. wow that's amazing right um god that's he awesome. goaded him into killing him basically yeah yeah god that is awesome right um so the scene going back to kind of the beginning ish when they're interviewing each other and everything i like i was watching i was like tiny must love this <laughs> because it felt so much like the thing yeah. Um. Like, did you get that feel and everything? Oh, totally. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And I know you're a big fan of the thing. So. One of my favorite movies. Nice. Nice. Um. Yeah. And so Annie, in this episode, we're kind of scattering around, but I hopefully this is intriguing listening. But yeah. Um. Annie has a really cool moment where she goes because they they incapacitate Jamal and then they inject him with the stuff to bring like real Jamal back, mm-hmm. and then. 
Annie, who's taking kind of a backseat to this to this episode. Yeah. She goes in and she's trying to get information about Joy and she goes just full Annie Wilkes and mm. just that was so brutal. Yeah. When she takes the needles and stabs him in the eyes. I know. Oh. Yeah. So so good. Yeah. Um in the like the scene after that where she's all disoriented and it's just like the sound it does that kind of Saving Private Ryan type like yeah. hollow like ringing noise and everything. Mm-hmm. Just so good. Right. So good. Yeah, I love that part. Yeah. So what else did you like about the episode? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, all, all the gunplay was pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that was, I'm a fan of that. Um, yeah. I have, like, I made notes while I was watching it, and, like, I had, like, like so many of the bullet points just end with such a good app <laughs> and cool and so good. Yeah. Um, but some of the dialogue that a, that Pop and Ace kind of exchange, like, one of the ones that, like, I just, I love Tim Robbins in this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. When he's like, so what do I call you, new guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, just, that, it just, it feels so good. Yeah. Um, and, like, his, I, I have a couple of quotes that I did, like, um... Pop says to him, I thought we'd be killing each other by now, like civilized human beings. <laughs> um, and then he kind of goes off on Ace, and I loved this line. I thought this was a really good line. He says, you're a hitchhiker in borrowed clothing. Mm. And I just like, I was like, that is, that's that's great. That is so, good. Yep. Yeah, he's, um, he was on full, he was just fully on point in this episode. Yeah. Um, I, I love the like the confidence of him. Like like you said, he's he's basically he's kind of like goading him. Yeah. And I think he just like I said, he just he knew how to play this situation. Yeah. Because he had already resigned himself to the idea that he wasn't going to live right past this. And in that, since I had missed the part about the battery mm-hmm. um, on the remote, I thought that like he had falsely tried to trigger it like i thought that he was like intending to do that so that ace would get closer to him and then he would blow him up oh okay um so i was surprised when that didn't happen um what did you think of the katets um (laughs) plan of escape like they were going to run and then they were going to time it to where they would cross the tracks so they would have like a 30 minute head start yeah to get out of dodge i thought that was a little unclear or just kind of um iffy hokey i'm not yeah i didn't hate it or anything it wasn't bad it was mm-hmm. just kind of like i i don't know um a little tropish i thought so too i yeah. i wasn't too fond of it i thought okay are they i mean i guess are they are they trying to do like a stand or the body reference yeah but also it's just not really but it's also like why would they do that but i don't know it also right. just felt like you said kind of a little hokey and a little i don't know yeah it was sort of like a little, um, like like car chase, like ooh, or like a foot chase, tropish thing where it's like, oh, I made it to the other side of the train and cut you off, and right, it had that feel to it, and you can still see through the cracks as the train goes by. Right. They can look at each other, and it's yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it it's a little played out, I guess. Yeah, uh, totally agree. Yeah, uh, it was it was a little tropish, but yeah. Before that, when they're in the emporium. They like uh, like Annie and Redshirt and um, 
the other the rest of the group and, and chance are looking out the windows to see the big crowd and, and the big group and everything mm-hmm. first of all i just love like the look of that was just so cool yeah um but the thing that catches their eye is the like locusts are coming in through the vents and everything right and i got such a vibe of the mist from that yes like me too i like that was so cool to mm-hmm. me. yeah agreed yep um so, oh, the, something that I it didn't really connect with me or I didn't really understand was Chance putting the bomb down in the basement and the wire kind of coming undone. Like, does that ever have a payoff or? I can't remember, really. I don't remember either. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it did. Mm-hmm. I think so, too, but I, I just can't remember. I kept thinking, like, oh, she's going to come back and she's going to try to do it and it's going to blow up and kill her. I feel like that's how... Uh, Ace slash Gus got in. Was that bomb was that bomb was disarmed, and so he was able to sneak in through there and get in. Oh, that might that Maybe. might be the case. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. Maybe I don't know, but yeah. But the final confrontation between Ace and Pop was really good. Yeah, and uh, I just I really liked it for that. I, I really thought for like a bottle episode and a penultimate episode, this was just fire in all cylinders like mm-hmm. it just worked so well to well for me yeah um and like some some of the action some of the gunplay was it was cool but it also just kind of got a little tiresome it was like yeah it was every shot is a headshot and a kill shot right yeah um i thought like i was like okay like that's <laughs> yeah all right guys yeah. um but just so good and obviously pop locking the door and going back and to give them time was a nice like redemptive thing yeah definitely um, God, I loved this season so much. It was good. I am so mad that, that we're not going to get more. Yeah. Um, do we have anything else to say about Caveat M Tour? I don't think so. I feel like we covered it pretty well. I think so, too. Hope good so. Episode. Yeah, so that is our review of Caveat M Tour, and I I don't have a stupid, funny thing to do here. <laughs> um, so after this review of Clean, we're going we're gonna to be able to like start fresh. With a new thing for, uh, for um, Tower Junkies, a new review, a new review thing. We're out of the this. So, in other words, we're going to be. Oh my god! So yeah, yes. So, <laughs> all right. So we are going to go ahead and go into our review of Clean. It is the second season finale of Castle Rock on Hulu. Um, this episode was written by, uh, Dustin Thomason, one of the, uh, showrunners of the show, and Michael Olson, and directed by Lisa Brolman. And, yes, the plot summary of Clean is a very simple, uh, Okay, the uh, it aired on December 11th, 2019, and the plot is the battle for Castle Rock reaches its conclusion, but even after the dust settles, Annie still has one last thing she needs to do. So, Tiny, this episode is pretty evenly split between two sections. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of concentrate on the Castle Rock thing, and then we can go to Canada. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so of course, we're going to be spoiling clean. Uh, spoilers on. Tiny, overall thoughts. What did you think of the first half of this episode that takes place in Castle Rock and um, kind of concludes all of the uh, crazy zombie stuff? Uh, I thought... I don't want to say it was anticlimactic, 
but I feel like that really uh, the climax kind of was, was a bit abrupt mm-hmm. and kind of came about really quickly. And, um, it wasn't unsatisfying or anything. It just, I feel like there was so much build up to it and mm-hmm. then it just kind of happened so quickly. It's like, Oh, oh gosh. Okay. So we're already there. We're already done. Yeah. Um, and, and so much time was devoted to the, the denouement after that, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, which I liked that a lot, Me too. but, um, but yeah, it was a little, a little anticlimactic. I was kind of hoping, I still think it would have been cool to have Amity like really come back um, yeah, I kind of wanted to see that just, I thought it would have been cool. I still wanted, you know, the good guys to win or whatever, but, right. um, I just, I think it would have been cool to see that and then all the implications of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I will say the imagery of like seeing joy in like the wedding dress with the, with the dark hair, yeah. super creepy. Yes. Like, it, it was effective for yeah. sure. Um, and the set design and everything was cool. Like when, after the explosion and everything like the dusty kind of slow motion scenes and everything was really, were really effective. Um, but yeah, it kind of felt a little bit, I guess anticlimactic is a good word for it. It just felt like a little, uh, less payoffy than, than I expected it to be. Um, and also, and we can kind of talk about it a little bit later in depth after we go through this section, but, I was really kind of let down by the angel. Um, yeah. Bill Skarsgård, like the last we see of him is just, he's at the lake and everything. And like, I thought like, I was thinking like, Oh, okay. We've got a half an hour left. Like this is like, they're going to resolve this plot thread or they're going to resolve this character and have him come back. And he's going to be the big bad for the last half hour of this season. Mm-hmm. Probably would have ended up being disappointing, <laughs> but right. it also felt just kind of, anticlimactic or just felt like a little bit too much of a tease. And maybe part of that is that they were maybe trying to just leave that for a possible season three. Right. Um, which I'm sure there are articles where they've probably talked about that, but I haven't uh, read them cause I just watched these episodes today. Right. But, um, yeah, so that was a little, a little bit of a letdown. Um, yeah. So, uh, Oh, the whole pop thing though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that i did not put together like i did not i did not even think about the injection that he gave himself oh really i really didn't i was just like when he got when ace gave him the gun and he went to the tunnels with the with the other guys um to go after them like that's when i was like oh, he injected himself like he's <laughs> he's really pop pop is back like, yeah holy shit <laughs> um and like and then like within a few minutes after that that's when it's the reveal and everything and i was just like this is very good like this is a very effective this is really cool yeah um so good mm-hmm. and and i love how that plays out like the um he gets that redemption i think from nadia uh, like she's like she's obviously very uh, torn apart that she has to blow him up. Yeah, but I I just like that redemptive arc and how it ends for Pop Merrill. Um, just Agreed. really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, before all of that though, <laughs> I um I got a kick out of Chance doing the Shaun of the Dead thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and wandering through and everything. Um, but when <laughs> also, so like when everyone points at her and says, no, like I thought that was super creepy and mm-hmm. effective. Yeah. 
And then she points at the other girl and yeah. says, no. <laughs> I just thought that was, that was, that was pretty hilarious, intentional or otherwise. I right. just thought that was really good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I had the same thought. Did they ever really like show or say what happened to her? Did she get away? Um, I believe she, huh. I assume she got away. Yes, because Pop. Yes, she got away because Pop uh, freed her when he went back. That's right. Yeah, and I think he gave her the gun. And that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yep. Um, by the way, forgot to mention this in Caveat Tour, but there's a scene where Chance is grabbed by one of the one of the uh, vessels, mm-hmm. and she's struggling with him, and uh, Annie comes uh, comes up from behind, and just shoots him in the head. Yeah. So cool. She's um, so r- brutal yes, in the last couple, couple episodes. So brutal. Yeah. And also another line that I love from Caveat Emptor was when uh, Pop Merrill is like very much uh, trying to judge, like like very mistrusting them of them. Uh, and he says, like, how did you get out of – you were at the Marston house. How did you get out? And she says, I killed a bunch of people. Yeah. And then he says, how did you get all the way here? And she says, I killed more people. <laughs> like <laughs> – Fucking Annie Wilkes. This is so awesome, good. yeah. Yeah. But back to clean. Um, Joy's whole arc throughout this first section of it, like, I love that she stabs Ace. Right. Um, and she's just in a catatonic state, and we'll talk more about that in the second half, but mm-hmm. how'd you feel about uh, the resolution of that kind of thing? Uh, I thought it was pretty awesome how she... I mean, her character has a bit of precedent for that. Like she, mm-hmm. she will take action and do take swift action. I don't know if it's obviously she's not like directly. She's not. I guess she is blood related to right uh, to Annie Wilkes, but um, <laughs> but I don't I don't think she has that violence gene the way Annie does. Right. Um, but she's able to tap into that still, um, mm-hmm. which is exemplified by her like injecting her biological mother and previous episode yeah um it, it was cool to just see her really snap out of it yeah and 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 what does she stab him with she stabs him with the, the big i don't i think it's either a hunting knife or that's maybe right that giant yeah it's that giant knife that they all it, it was it was cool it was the same knife they all used 400 years ago that's to like right. slit their own throats basically yeah yeah yep. that's right okay i couldn't remember yeah oh yeah um, the whole explosion and chaos and everything that was cool. Yeah. Um, and then they get away. Do we have anything more to say about this first half? Not really. All the yeah. all the good stuffs in the last. Yeah, <laughs> the, the wrap and all up. the plot threads kind of resolve themselves, I guess. Right. Um, we don't really get much more of Nadia or any more of Nadia and Abdi after the explosion. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume that they're you know I'm glad that they survived. I was kind of worried for one or both of them. Yeah. Um, in the big fight or the the action scenes at the at the end of episode nine mm-hmm. so then we get the denouement of the season and and it's like it's a it's a long one it's like yeah. 20 minutes 25 minutes right um and it's just i loved it for the way that it is that it mirrors the first episode in a way so it's Annie and Joy on the road they stopped a gas station which did you notice the flyer i did what <laughs> <laughs> yeah like first of all they're in canada like i don't know why that but um but it's a it's a it's a flyer that's it's a it's a um 
missing missing persons poster for Henry Deaver. Right. And it shows Andre Holland. And I'm just like, so is that like it are we to presume that the kid took him? Um, right. Now that the angel is free that he took him and probably killed him or something? Right. We'll never know. We won't. No. Nope. Yeah. But there's a rift between Annie and Joy. And Joy is almost catatonic throughout the rest of the episode and it's mm-hmm. just more that you know she's experienced trauma and everything right um and so they take a job as caregivers to or caretakers to uh this this man who is a patient in a very nice house mm-hmm. so they're at this house and this is where we get just the rest of their story. How did mm-hmm. you feel about this half of the episode and, and the way that it resolved? Uh, man, I really loved it. Um, I, I liked the setting a lot because I feel I feel like they were kind of setting it up for a happy ending mm-hmm. because she finds this job as a caretaker for this guy who's like loaded, mm-hmm. and it's this very idyllic, like beautiful home on a lake and yeah. all that stuff, and it's. They get they each get their own rooms. It's this beautiful house. Her job is very low impact, and mm. it's like the perfect setting for them to heal. Really, yeah. Um, I, and so I love all that setup. But then, what's great is Joy starts. She like you said, she's very catatonic, but she has these kind of quirks that she's sort of going through, and like. What I loved about it was the presentation because from the perspective of Annie and from the perspective of the audience, we really don't know what's going on. Like it could go either way. Annie obviously starts to suspect that she actually was, that Joy actually was overtaken by the spirit of Amity. Yeah. And starts to think that, you know, and what I love about the presentation of it is that from the perspective of the audience, you're really not sure. Like, I love maybe that. maybe she actually was. Like, mm-hmm. for me, it was when she was sitting there watching that French movie. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Like, holy shit! Right. Did she really get? You know, at first I was like, Annie's just being crazy. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, okay, wait a minute. She's and, and <laughs> kudos to, um, gosh, Elsie uh, Fisher. Sorry, oh, I couldn't yeah. think of her name. Kudos to Elsie Fisher with her ability to act without speaking which mm-hmm. is some of the hardest stuff to do as an actor you know yeah. you don't have lines you have to really let your body language and your your uh your expressions tell the yeah. story um she did a great job with it because i was like man she's really i was like did she, is she actually is it actually amity in there like i really right. don't know and like i i love how it was truly mysterious mm-hmm. up until the bad thing happens. <laughs> right. Um, I, that was just so cool to me. I was so into it. Me too. Uh, and just like, again, the presentation of it on, on behalf of the writers and, and, and the acting was so good and everything. I just really dug the way they did that. Absolutely. And the way that it, like you said, the, the question of it, cause we, we still don't know really. Um, like the French movie, like that was, I was sitting there thinking like I, the, episode had drawn me in so much into Annie's perspective that I had to kind of catch myself and think like, are we, is this a, like Annie Wilkes is a very unreliable narrator. Yeah. (laughs) And to see her perspective of this, like 
who's to say that she is that uh, that Joy was watching a French movie? <laughs> like that could have just been Annie hallucinating that, right? And like when she looks through the sketchbook. Um, I thought that later on when she found the sketchbook, I thought that she was going to open it up and it was just going to be something completely different and that would be the reveal. Yeah. But what we got instead was really cool. Yes. Um, but I love that this season ends on a note of Annie Wilkes going Annie Wilkes, like full Annie Wilkes. Yep. And what I loved about how obviously it's tragic, it's so tragic and and horrific, but I love the way that this half of the episode really calls back to the beginning and books ends it book ends the season in a fashion. So like she drugs joy with ice cream. Mm-hmm. Like, so we've got the ice cream scoop and everything. And then that mirrors obviously the ice cream scoop from the beginning. And, uh, then, so like that was a nice callback and, uh, Oh, when they're fighting, um, like Joy notices the taste and says like, what the fuck? And then I love like, it, again, it's like Annie Wilkes, like Lizzie Kaplan has been holding, like, I wouldn't say holding back, but like has been just exhibiting like Annie Wilkes behavior throughout the season. But like, here's like full on, like this is Annie Wilkes in her purest form. Cause she's like such dirty words mm-hmm. and like, she just attacks Joy. And I love, again, another callback is Joy stabbing her in the shoulder with the pen. Yeah. That kind of mirrors the the needle thing. Yep. Um, just so cool. And then the final, like, callback is Annie freaking drowning Joy, mm-hmm. which is a callback to their backstory that she was going to drown her as a baby. Right. Just, I love that, um, that it's kind of poetic in a way. Right. Um, it's attention to detail. and Yeah. Um, really, it, it, it shows how well-planned the whole season was. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, and also we neglected to mention this and we'll talk more about joy here in a second, but, uh, <laughs> uh, Annie Wilkes discovers Paul Sheldon's she work. She does, yeah. Um, I thought that that was really interesting. Like, I thought for a second that it was going to be... Uh, a thing where she is reading misery books to uh, Joy as Joy is recuperating and everything, and I thought that I thought that the reason that she was going to get hooked on misery in Paul Sheldon's work is because that would be her escape from like whatever she does to Joy. Because at that point, I didn't know that she, I didn't know for sure that she was going to murder her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like misery is kind of like her laughing place because it's her escape from it. But right. Eh, can kind of still be the same but um yeah i don't know so how'd you feel about misery <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that was i was glad that they actually tied that in mm-hmm. uh to the stephen king's actual you know actual story about annie wilkes right um i was glad to see that and just the way it played out <laughs> at the end yeah was just great um which I don't know if we can go ahead and start talking about that, but um, yes, let's let's back up just a little bit and talk okay. about Joy because Annie comes back in after murdering Joy, right, and finds the letter, which is just freaking heartbreaking, horrible, yeah. Um, just saying that she was going to that she's going to leave, and she was talking to a lawyer about uh, becoming emancipated, mm-hmm. and she just needed to be away for a while. And like when she was reading that, all I thought was. 
this gives Annie the perfect alibi. <laughs> like, just leave the letter, like, you know, wait her, like, have her in the lake and, you know, right. you know, oh, I don't know where she is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real, like, denouement of the episode is, again, another reversal or another mirror of the beginning of the season where they're traveling around the country. Um, and we get we get another rendition of uh, "Let the River Run." Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sing it this time. <laughs> um, and yeah, and and yeah, yeah. So when this was going on, I was thinking she's halluc- like she's really dead. She's hallucinating, okay. boy. Like that's for sure what's going on, one hundred percent. Yeah. And I was delighted with the reveal and and how it was handled. How did you feel about that whole sec? Yeah, I was really wondering what was going on because, uh, like, when she she runs, she goes into the house, she reads the note, she freaks out, she runs down, tries to revive her, and then she actually comes back. I was like, wait, no fucking way! Right. Like, how how is that? She's dead. Yeah, she has to be dead. And then they show all these scenes of them traveling around. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, what? It doesn't make any sense. And like. I should have known because her hair is different. Her hair is back to blonde again. Oh, yeah. I really should have known that she was hallucinating. But Right. Um, and then I just love that the that dude walks up while they're sitting for the <laughs> yeah. book reading. That dude walks up and is like, is this actually taken? And she's like, yes, it's actually taken. And I was right. like, what was that about? And then that f- true final shot when it pans away and Joy wasn't there, I was like, oh, shit. Like, that, yeah. it really, like, I totally, like, kind of fell for it. That's when you, okay. Yeah, I wow. really felt, like, I, I was thinking, I was like, there's got to be something else going on here. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I wasn't 100% sure she was actually dead, but, mm-hmm. like, I was like, I don't know what's going on here. There's no way she revived her from that drowning. Right. Something was hallucinated. There's something weird going on here. But when they, when that, that like, pan out, shot at the very end i was like that's fucking fantastic yeah that was such a cool way to end everything and like truly lead into set up misery right that was so awesome i so good just the creativity of weaving committing so much time to a denouement after the climax Mm -hmm. to wrapping up that character and 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 ushering this story into actual Stephen King canon mm-hmm. was just that was so creative and beautiful. It, totally. it, it wasn't quite on the level of uh, what uh, uh, gosh, Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan, thank you, yeah. did with um, with Doctor uh, Sleep. Sleep. Yeah, but it, it, in that same vein and, yeah. and very creative, very well done. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't change a thing. Same here. So so good. I really liked it a lot. And something I really loved about that is that when we get that pan out and we see that the chair is empty, the chair is occupied by Misery's like Misery's love or whatever the uh-huh. new book is. And I just love that just as like a visual thing of saying like, okay, well, Joy is gone and now the thing that is going to be the thing that uh, Annie is obsessed about is Paul Sheldon in the Misery books. Right. And I just, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in in Misery, doesn't, doesn't Annie Wilkes make him write a new story? Yeah. And he basically brings Misery, the character of Misery, back to life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Such cool. Like, that's just great. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> just with what they did with the final. Oh, my God. I just yeah. caught on to that. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. 
Wow. That's, that's awesome. That's all. I love that. Holy shit. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I thought that it was a little goofy, but in the context of the episode, it was fine. But when, when Joy, Ghost Joy is like, we need to get him to dedicate a book to you. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's a stretch. But then knowing that it's her, her subconscious saying that, and she's like, I'm his number one fan. Like, that was really good. Right. Um, totally. Yeah. I also like how they didn't really like, show paul sheldon like as i was I, indifferent to that really like yeah. well as i was sitting there watching it i was like i wonder if they got like it'd be cool if they got stephen king to play paul sheldon right. or something like that or some big actor but i was like you know what that would totally detract from this scene yeah if they, even even if they showed some no-name actor that none of us have ever seen i feel like it would really detract from the what we're truly supposed to be focusing on in this scene and yeah that's a fair point i feel like it would have taken away from it that's that's just how i felt about it yeah now that you say that i think i'm i'm okay with it i was thinking like i kept thinking oh it'd be cool if they got like stephen king but also i would be like that would be a little too something too meta too meta and just it would break my brain a little bit Mm -hmm. but also it would be um i mean Stephen King's a little older than I would imagine. Right. Um, and then I thought like, Oh, it could have been Joe Hill. That would have been cool. Oh yeah. Um, but I'm fine. I like now that you say, put it in that context. Um, cause it would have been detracting. Like if we saw his face, knowing that this is a character that is pivotal to the Stephen King canon, even if they didn't stunt cast it with a cameo appearance by someone famous or someone with ties to misery or to, um, uh, Stephen King in general, we would have still been like, oh, wait, who was that? Like, let's look it up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, also, when they're at the book signing, she does see uh, hallucinations of her father and her mother. Right. So, that was a nice touch to kind of put a bow yeah. on the season. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and unlike last season, there was no, like, mid credit scene, um, mm. which is fine. Okay. So... That is our review of Clean. Um, Tiny, overall, how did you feel about season two of Castle Rock? How do you think it compares to season one in your mind? And, uh, yeah, I won't, I won't, I won't throw a third question at you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, so I really, really dug this season. I liked it. I, I liked it better than season one. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's so it's so much more of an approachable season. Like, like season one is so it, it's very confusing, and I mm-hmm. feel like you don't get answers till like much later, and and things don't. I feel like even having seen all ten episodes of season one, you don't fully know what's going on, mm-hmm. which is good in its own way. It's very mysterious yeah. and. Uh, you know, I feel like a lot of that stuff, some of that stuff was answered in season two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel like if they had had a season three, four, five, whatever, season one would have had much more context and made even more sense and yeah. gotten better as a part of a whole series. Um, but I, I just feel like season two is so much more straightforward. I feel like the the characters weave together much better. Um, it's, it's just a much more cohesive season than season one. Mm -hmm. Um, I think objectively season one is maybe a little better, but for me, I just, I enjoyed season two a little better. I, I was much more excited to come back to, 
each episode each week as I was watching it. Um, and whereas season one was a bit of a challenge as, as an audience member, as a, and even as a, a Stephen King fan, it was just, it was just kind of a challenge. Um, but just overall, uh, so cool. Uh, just to take an established character from a completely different story and, yeah. and inject it into this different setting. Uh, that was such a cool idea. Um, and then again, just at the ending, weaving it into and just ushering it into the true, in, into a Stephen King canon story like Misery uh, was such a great idea and just worked so beautifully. Um, great acting, great writing. Uh, yeah, awesome casting too. Um, oh, yeah. I mentioned in the first, I think maybe the first episode or our first podcast recording mm-hmm. about season two that I was, which was like six months after <laughs> the season. <laughs> right. Um, I was so, I was like kind of bummed to see that Annie Wilkes, like that Annie Wilkes kills Paul Sparks character. Right. I was like, D- I really like Paul Sparks. Like, mm-hmm. is he gone now? What the fuck? Uh, and then of course we got a whole season of him <laughs> yeah. being awesome. And I was really happy he with was that. So good. Um, yeah, we didn't talk about Paul Sparks a lot after, we really didn't. after yeah. that. Um, but I, I still am a huge fan of him. His, he's, he's like a very, a very chameleon like actor. Mm-hmm. Very, very Gary, Gary Oldmanish in my book. Right. Um, great character actor. Uh, yeah, I, I loved season two. I, I think what I loved about season one is uh, interestingly enough is mostly absent from season two. So what I love to your, to your point about season one, it was very much mystery driven. And what I loved about that was that it evoked a lot of feelings about lost and memories of lost. Yeah. Um, and so this season kind of threw me for a loop because it was more about the character dynamics and, Mm-hmm the drama inherent with them and also doing justice to a, an iconic character from Stephen King's oeuvre while also creating an entirely unique backstory for her. I just think that like the juggling act of this season was really remarkable and really well done. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I think I did like season two more than season one, if okay. only because we got the team up content. Yeah. Dynamic. Right. Um, which totally. was a little absent from season one. The Motley crew, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Uh, I loved it so much. I feel like season two was also, it had a lot less J.J. Abrams fingerprints on it. Yeah. Um, not to say that's a bad thing, but I don't know if I'm, I still just have a bad taste in my mouth because of episode nine of Star Wars. Yeah. But uh, I'm a little, maybe just a little burnt out on J.J. Abrams and just not, I'm not in the mood for J.J. Abrams, I guess. Absolutely. I kind of wonder if there was a difference in like, like if he consulted on as much of this season as he did previous seasons or right. or what have you. Because you're right, there isn't that much of his fingerprints on it. Like for instance, there's a scene in, I think it was in Caveat M. Tour where they're talking about how um, Castle Lake is kind of a gateway to other worlds and everything, which right. I, I love that as deepening the lore and confirming our suspicions from season one. Um, but the weird thing is that it's a doorway to different worlds, and like there's not enough J.J. Abrams fingerprints because none of the worlds through that doorway uh, like are exploded or anything, <laughs> um, which... <laughs> I don't know. That was a long, very long walk to get to a stupid joke at the expense <laughs> of J.J. Abrams. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because he blows up planets because that's what right. you do. Star Trek. He does do that. 
The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. The Rise of Skywalker. Just, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I think that'll do it for this episode. Am I right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So what are we going to do next? I have an idea. Um, I know what you're going to say, but I know what I'm going to say. What are you going to say? Uh, well, I think the two things we have on deck that we can record are uh, a review of Revival. Yes. Which I think you talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I finished The Stand, and I think you're close to finishing The Stand. Yes. And so, If by close, you mean haven't started the oh, section okay. of the book that we agreed <laughs> to read at the same time. I, but I feel like season, book three goes so fast. It, it will go super yeah, fast. I might start it tomorrow, actually. It's like... 15% of the book. Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. We'll knock that out. And then, of course, that that will be banked. So we'll release those episodes uh, later in the year in the lead up to the CBS All Access uh, miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing I wanted to throw out at you, we've talked about it previously, Tiny. Do you want to go into this? Might be a couple of weeks away, but do you want to go into a review of Misery and the movie? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have the book purchased on um on audible so Mm -hmm. i need to listen to it and uh i could probably convince Paige to watch the movie nice she'd probably be into it um she really likes kathy bates and i don't i don't think she's seen misery nice i'd be surprised if she had well tiny if anyone can do it you james con do it (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) uh yeah so that's great and also uh for you um Misery is on my voodoo. Sweet. So, okay, yeah. I was going to ask you that. Yep. Um, yeah, so awesome. We'll, we'll do that. That might be a couple weeks away. We'll see. Um, I know, Tiny, you're just entrenched in that libertarian book. I know. <laughs> um, but I'll start re-listening to Misery also. Maybe we'll do that. After. I don't We'll figure it out. Okay. So coming up on the podcast, we're going to do Revival, Misery, Misery the Movie. Uh, Mike just finished Mr. Mercedes. I might have him on to talk about that. Sweet. Um, yeah, so we've got some stuff lined up. It's going to be exciting. Also, check out our other shows, Obsessive Viewer, which, Tiny, we still need to get you back on. Yes. Um, and uh, Anthology, which is my solo podcast, aforementioned solo pro- podcast that Tiny is going to be a guest on soon. So we've got a lot at Obsessive Viewer Podcasts, and I thank you for listening to us and joining us on this Castle Rock adventure. And Tiny... You know, I think, I think just, just, just for um, old time's sake, <laughs> let's play that theme music again. <laughs> so here is one last time until we do our Castle Rock series of book reviews and story reviews. <laughs> here is the theme music to our Castle Rock review series. Castle. Castle Rock is in the house tonight. Everybody just have a king time. Yeah. And we gon' make you lose your mind. Everybody just have a king time. Castle Rock is in the house tonight. Everybody just have a king time. Everybody just have a king time. Yeah. We just wanna see ya. Review that. Castle Rock is in the house tonight. Everybody just have a king time. <laughs> That's the best part. Is, the best part is your tone of voice because you're like, Castle, you yeah. sound like a six-year-old. 
<laughs> Castle King. The thing about that is, it's an, I didn't record those or anything. I just took past episodes. Oh, of, you did? Yeah, I cut out us saying those oh words my God. and added them to it. <laughs> that's why it's so weird. Oh, that's I funny. I love it so much. Um, all right, well, that'll do it for this episode of Tower Junkies. Thank you guys so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Now having you for seven days in May. Yes. Does that wait? What was the question? I don't know. What was the question? Okay, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, good. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm. I'm excited. That was a classic Matt Hurt question. Actually, classic Matt Hurt question is like, so how did you feel about that, and does it does it affect the way that you think about it in the past, and how does it make you feel about yes. any future episodes of the podcast, and <laughs> and uh, what do you want to start on the podcast? Okay, go. I have noticed <laughs> that about me, and I honest, I try. Like, I feel bad. Like, that is a weird, like, nervous take. It's weird because in the beginning of time and of podcasting, which is how I measure time, in the <laughs> beginning of our podcasting life, <laughs> we're seven years old. And uh, at the beginning of time, we... Tower Junkies is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to TowerJunkiesPod.com slash archive. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod and follow us on Twitter at towerjunkiespod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for obsessiveviewer at tpublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at ObsessiveViewer.com, and on Twitter, at ObsessiveViewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at AnthologyPod.com and OVAnthologyPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective. Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash as good as it gets band. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights.
Kitty!